Hello again, everybody. Um, this is Martian UFO with you, and we're floating in space as always. Um, today, I was uh, working on something a little bit new, trying to bring you um, some more cool and interactive ways that um, you guys can interact with me and things like this. And uh, uh, one of the things that I kind of thought up or planned was going to be called, uh, um, right now I'm calling it Why Wave Wednesdays. And the purpose is kind of just to, um, you know, we're gonna, I'm still going to be recording other uh, episodes and things like that too, um, of the normal material, but this is just to break away from um, the things that are kind of affecting our world right now and then just to kind of, I guess, break into some positivity, bring you guys a little positivity on the Wednesdays and to highlight some um, notable black figures in Canadian history specifically. Um, I guess just to motivate some, some black people to motivate anybody really. And while I'm doing it, you guys are going to be with me while I'm um, preparing my afternoon coffee. So let's enjoy. First individual star that I kind of want to speak about. Her name is uh, Anne Cools, and Anne was apparently the first black person to become a Canadian senator. So that's a big deal for um, black women, specifically in terms of you know um, issues relating to women and relating to black people. Um, the fact that she was able to gain um, Senate a position in the Senate as a black woman in this time. Um, she was born in Barbados. She arrived in Canada as a teenager, and she studied at McGill University, which I believe is in Quebec. Uh, prior to being appointed to the Senate, Cools was a candidate for the Liberal Party in two federal elections, but she was unsuccessful. You know, the fact that she was even able to, to run to be there was, was um, still impressive. Uh, Pierre Trudeau, so uh, Justin Trudeau's father, appointed her to the Senate in 1984. She switched party alliances in 2004, and she became a conservative senator. Today, she sits as a, an independent, so she's still doing her thing today. And uh, yeah, man, shout out to Ann Cools. The uh, second individual that I'm gonna kind of speak about, his name is uh, Mifflin Wistar Gibbs. And bear with me, because he has a, has a pretty long name there. Uh, Mifflin was already a success, uh, successful businessman. He moved from the States to BC to escape the, uh, I guess, the racial atmosphere that was happening in the States at the time. He landed in Victoria. So Gibbs became a prominent figure in the black community, um, kind of being seen as their recognized leader. Um, according to Citizenship and Immigration Canada, and then he devoted time and effort to encouraging members of the black community to become involved in politics which I know that, you know, a lot of uh, black people certainly kind of shy away. They tend to not really like the politics. They don't trust the politicians. And, you know, I, was, I think I was speaking about in a separate episode prior to this, that if we really wanted to start affecting real change and wanted to have, you know, black voices heard in parliament and in politics and things like this, the only way to really do it and to attain this kind of power is to, to start looking into these kinds of positions, to start seeing, like, you know, how can I um, get more political, I guess. So, 
Mifflin, he moved back to the States in the 70s, no, no, uh, 1870, my bad, and he died in 1915, so, you know, he lived a good life. And the last person um, for historical black figures that I'd like to speak about was Elijah McCoy. So he was actually born to former slaves, and they escaped to Canada from the States. Um, he studied mechanical engineering in Scotland, and then he became known for inventing a device that lubricates uh, a train's moving parts while the train is still moving. I don't know if they use that technology today. They probably upgraded it, but you know, it's very interesting, very impressive that he was one of the first people to be a part of this. And it says that he also um, was credited with inventing the portable ironing boards, which I guess also, you know, they've seen an upgrade since that time. They've um, become revamped and different people have gone out and made their own brands and things like this, but he was the original ironing board. <laughs> and then he also held more than 50 patents in total. Uh, McCoy died in 1929 at the age of 86, so he also lived a long, um, healthy life, you could say. I mean, he was going through some different things at this time, but yeah, notable man. And so those were just the three um, historical black figures in Canada that I wanted to bring to you to kind of just um, show you that, you know, there was some black people around back then who were doing some big things and had some power and were trying to inspire people. And I guess in a way, you know, this is what I'm trying to do um, with the podcast is trying to inspire people, trying to get people to, you know, be themselves, to break out of the shell, so to speak. And... In hopes of doing that, we're going to bring you some more. This is the, the good feel stuff now. Uh, I'm trying to find some good information, some good material. So now I'm going to speak to you guys about a, uh, an individual. His name is um, Rahan Staten. Rahan Staten. And uh, I'm, kind of, I'm going to play a little video for you. And then I'll speak about it after. But we'll kind of tell you just uh, his story and what he went through and what he was trying to achieve in his life. He had big goals, big dreams, and he accomplished them. Our person of the week, the young man and the call that finally came, but it did not come without the work. Rahan Staten from Bowie, Maryland, was determined to never give up. Growing up, his single father cared for him, and Rahan vowed to pay it forward no matter what. Hey, David. Tonight, Rahan, right here. Time got really tough. I mean, food insecurities, housing insecurities. We didn't even have heat in the winter. He said after his mother left the family and his father lost his job, he struggled. His grades suffered. My GPA was like below 2.0, and I got denied by every single college I applied to. So I just opted to go work for the local trash company. But that job as a garbage man, 4 a.m. every morning, changed Rahan's life. That's where my life changed forever. It's like the first time in my life where everyone around me just really picked me up and embraced me. His co-workers encouraged him to fight for his dreams. They saw something in me. They uplifted me. Rahan went back to school, got his grades up a 4.0. He was accepted at the University of Maryland, working two shifts as a garbage man to pay for it. I wake up at 4 o'clock, go to, go to work, clean my dumpsters, get off, go to school. Then after school, I go back to finish the shift, and that was pretty much my day. He then reached for his next dream, Harvard Law School. All right, let's go. All right. And this was the moment Rahab would find out if he got in. All right, I'm clicking it. Congratulations! Oh. 
Roosevelt headed to Harvard Law this fall. I got into Harvard. And really, it was probably just the greatest moment of my life, specifically because I finally felt that I could pay back my dad and my brother for all their sacrifices. Tonight, Rahan's message on pushing forward, pushing through, no matter what. Just love yourself enough to always give yourself what you want. Life's not always going to be fair, but it's not going to be fair. I can promise you it won't be fair, but if you put in the work, you stay disciplined, you stay hungry, everything will fall into place. And so we choose Rahan. This message is so powerful. So sorry about that, guys. The uh, coffee machine there, the Tassimo, kind of got in the background, but the uh, the video was basically overplaying um, all over or whatever. And um, yeah, man, talking about Rahan's story and what he was going through. I mean, here's a guy who was the same age as me, you know, young, uh, black man, 24, who had like a couple heartbreaks in life. His mom left him. His dad lost his job. And here's, you know, a struggling dad trying to support two brothers and trying to keep food on the table, trying to keep the lights on, things like this. And he's trying to achieve dreams. He thought that, you know, the only thing that he was going to be able to do was, um, I guess, be a garbage truck worker, you know, work for the local garbage uh, company. But, you know, I'm reading here um, after the guys, his co-workers that he was working with really uplifted him, really started making him feel like something, really giving him that positive energy and that vibe. Um, He believed in himself. He was able to actually become something. You know, it says his uh, father worked at multiple jobs. You know, they're from Bowie, Maryland. And, um, you know, it's uh, down in the States. I'm sure there's a lot of young brothers who are having a hard time down there, people who are going through it, trying to just achieve their dreams and trying to make it out of somewhere. I think that, uh, you know, looking into stories like this really helps um, give some hope because it says that he excelled at boxing and, and martial arts and, you know, won national and international competitions. He hoped that that would be his way out of poverty, which for a lot of young black men, usually it's kind of the uh, the idea or the hope that if you're going to make it out of the hood, so to speak, or wherever, that you're going to do it by, you know, athletics or you're going to do it with some type of skill, art, um, you know, or you're going to be a hoodlum <laughs> anyways. And that's kind of uh, sad, you know, the idea that we get kind of pushed into these spaces. But, you know, here's a guy, you know, so the dream didn't work out for him because of the rot- rotator cuff injury, but he didn't give up. And still, I mean, he still went through years of struggles. It was years for him, you know, trying to figure himself out, trying to find out who he wanted to be and, and how to attain success for himself. And then, I mean, it really speaks to the people that were around him at the time. And so I'm going to speak to some of the people that are around me and who really inspire me and give me um, motivation uh, to keep going, to keep doing what I need to do. You know, one of them is my uh, my next door neighbors. Actually, she lives down the street from me, about four houses down. I like to call this person my uh, personal health coach, my life coach. You know, she gives me a lot of inspiration, a lot of motivation. If she's going to be listening to the podcast, then she'll know who she is. And um, yeah, shout out to that person, man, because... Um, There's a lot of times where I went to her for support and she gave me some of the best, like, uplifting words that, you know, I can't really get from a lot of people. So another one is another lady who I consider to be like my um, 
second mother, basically my godmother, I call her. And she has been there for me um, many times, <laughs> many times where, I mean, you know, she's seen me go through some things that not a lot of people have seen. And she's been around there for me in some situations that I'm sure not a lot of people have experienced because I've seen a lot of shit for sure. Trust me. And without her and some of the other people in my life, um, I definitely wouldn't be here now. Wouldn't be anywhere notable to speak of where you could, you know, you guys could be hearing this podcast or that I could be doing certain things in a positive way. And then last, uh, but not least, certainly is um, my uh, middle brother, Levy. You know, this guy, he's uh, very responsible, very mature, very uh, um, uplifting in the way that he acts and conducts himself. And a lot of times I like to look at him to, I guess, inspire me to remind me about how I'm acting in terms of my actions and, and trying to cover all my bases and be responsible for things that I need to be looking after. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's a big inspiration to me. So shout out to those three people, man. And um, let me see if I had anything else here for Y Wave Wednesdays. Last thing, guys, last thing. And this is, um, this is more, you know, just kind of a global outreach story. This is... Uh, about something that's kind of affecting everybody right now in terms of of the COVID and uh, a lot of the negativity that's that's going around and things that aren't really um, sharing in a positive light. But this one, fortunately, it's uh, good for the environment, good for people, bringing people together while they're still social distancing. So the uh, the story is basically that uh, 2 million people in India gathered to uh, plant 20 million trees along the river Ganges and they successfully did it without socially, uh, with socially distancing, sorry. And this happened, um, they did this yesterday. So they were planting the trees. Um, I guess uh, it's in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. Uh, and they have enough space for, you know, all these trees. They're really trying to rally the, the uh, citizens there to bring them in to, um, I guess, be more environmental. And I guess uh, the country as a whole they are trying to, um, you know, it says many nations have targeted 2030 as the deadline for various sustainability related goals to coincide with the UN's 18 sustainable develop, uh, development goals. And I spoke on that a little bit, um, designed to encourage nations to solve the world's largest problems such as poverty, hunger, pollution, access to clean water, education access and more. And so, you know, literally all the you know, all the countries right now in the world are supposed to be doing certain things and different things to uh, uh, try and accomplish these sustainable development goals. And I think um, if people start studying their own country, if they start looking into the research of what their own country is doing, maybe some things might not seem so bad or, or might you might understand what they're trying to do in terms of trying to uh, fix some of these problems that I just mentioned here. Um, it says that, you know, mass tree plantings have been launched as an easy and inexpensive method of drawing carbon from the atmosphere, with uh, hundreds of millions of trees being planted in countries around the world, including China, Pakistan, India, Madagascar, and the nations of the Sahel, especially Ethiopia and Senegal. So, you know, the survival of every tree during such, manting, uh, such mass planting operations is not guaranteed, but in, in, I guess in comparison to different... Um, energy and, and uh, changing energy and transportation infrastructure. It says that uh, tree planting is easy and expensive and, you know, helpful and regenerating um, the previously degraded land back to healthy functioning ecosystems. And I think 
you know, the fact that it's bringing uh, people out together, you know, you had volunteers out there, nonprofit employees, government workers, lawmakers, a bunch of people who were coming together to um, to do this, to, to complete this initiative. And it says that, you know, they're committed to increasing the forest cover of Uttar Pradesh to over 15% of the total land area in the next five years. I think that's um, it's a great thing, man. It's a great positive thing, planting trees, and, and really the bigger reason for why they're doing it. Um, you know, it says the nation's target acreage of 235 million acres would combine an area the size of Texas and New Mexico combined. So you can imagine what that'll do for things like our air quality, what it'll do for um, cleaning up the carbon, what it'll do for um, just the, the ecosystem, the animals, the insects, the plants. Um, it's going to help fix a lot of things. And I think, you know, trying to find stories like these, trying to um, remember the connection to the earth uh, definitely is important. And uh, yeah, man, hopefully this brought y'all guys some positivity, helped you brighten up the day a little bit. And I'll catch you again on the next episode. All right.